kind of lack of professionalism. It was the coaster. You guys can't do anything without <laughs> laughing. It's fine. Heavens. <laughs> See, it's funny. That was on accident. Uh, hello. 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 How's it going? Pretty good. good. Goodness, boys and girls, are we really on episode 19? We are indeed. Are we really? Yeah. That's was crazy. It, was it have to be like episode, is it like 22 or 23? And at that point we've, no, 21. We'll have hit six months of podcasting. And then we can buy wow. alcohol. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, How's everybody doing today? Good. Pretty good. Oh, look at me. I'm already failing. Before we get into everything, welcome listeners to episode 19 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them, uh, the only podcast on the internet where you can find the three of us to watch a movie and then talk about it. Um, You can even suggest movies for us to watch and we'll do it. We really will. Um, We've done it before and we'll do it again. Yeah. We had somebody actually request a Black Panther. Oh, I saw that. Which would be a fun one to do, I think. Yeah, yeah I think we'll be good. We have the rest of the year planned out. We've got some exciting things. Um, but yeah. Uh, my name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this year podcast. Uh, joined at my right hand by Becca. Hello. And at my left hand by Sid. Hello. Um, guys, what did we do today? Well, I wrote a paper. Well, that's pretty boring. Yeah. I cleaned the house. In the last two hours, what did we do? Oh, oh, right. We watched a movie. Oh, what movie did we watch? The Grand Budapest Hotel. The Grand Budapest (laughs) Hotel. Written and directed by the one and only, the formidable, the one and only, Wes Anderson. Um, Now, I'm going to come right out and say it. I am familiar with... Wes Anderson as an artist. I am not very familiar with his films. I have seen The Royal Tenenbaums and now this. Me too. I have seen this, Royal Tenenbaums, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Isle of Dogs, and... Bottle Rocket. No. Darjeeling Limited. No. What is it? I just had it in my brain. Come on, Sid, you're letting us down here. I don't know. I've seen a lot. Sid has seen more Wes Anderson than Becca and I combined, because Becca and I have only seen two. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> but um, like I said, I'm pretty familiar with him uh, stylistically, and I know what his films are. I just haven't seen them. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing for me. I was thinking about that. I was like, I love the Royal Tenenbaums. And before great. before today, that was the only one of his that I had seen. Uh-huh. Oh, have you seen Life Aquatic? No. Okay, I'm just trying to think of what the ones you might have I seen are. I'll figure it out. Look it up. Um, so yeah, today we watched uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson. This came out in 2014. Um, and then Isle of Dogs came out this year. So now we get to go into another three-year or so Wes Anderson hiatus, which is kind of a bummer. Um, I want to go back and watch his movies. I just haven't done it yet. You know, I've got a lot of lists from a lot of directors that I want to watch. But today, we're going to be talking about this movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel. It is the story of a concierge at a 
fancy Eastern European hotel um, during the decline of the idea of fancy hotels, basically. Um, there's there's a war going on. There are undertones of uh, immigration and prejudice. There's greed. There's a lot of things going on in this movie that are pretty subtle. Um, and I don't know if I caught them all. So we're going to have a good time discussing this one because this is one that, like, um, a lot of people on Reddit, I feel like the people on Reddit who are, like, trying to sound out there put this as their favorite film of 2014 because I'm trying to think what the Oscars were for that year. Birdman. Was that, that Birdman? Year. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, let me see. 2015 Oscars. So, I see a lot of people on Reddit put this movie as their top film of the year, which I think is an, even after seeing it, I think is an odd pick for to say it's the best movie of that year and i would be curious to hear anybody who put on reddit that your favorite movie of 2014 is the grand budapest hotel please write into us and let me know why because i'm a little confused um i am happy to see more f marie abraham i only really know him from amadeus which is an incredible movie um Let's see. Nominated was Birdman, American Sniper, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, Selma, Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. So if you're not going to say Birdman, at least say Whiplash off that list. I put Whiplash as my favorite, 2014. Yeah, I'd agree. It's a toss-up, honestly. It really is. They both have so many good things going for them, with some amazing drumming in both. That is true. Um, this movie stars everyone that Wes Anderson has ever <laughs> met or passed by in a hallway. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's got what? It's got Jude Law, F. Murray Abraham. Uh, this is off the top of my head. I'm seeing what I can remember. So quiz me here. Uh, Jude Law, F. Murray Abraham, uh, Ray Fiennes. Um, there's, uh, Adrian Brody is in here. You got Jeff Goldblum. You got, um, Owen Wilson. You got Bill Murray for like a second. You got Tilda Swinton for about 45 seconds. You got um, Lucas Hedges, apparently. <laughs> you have uh, Cersei Ronan. And you have Edward Norton. Am I missing anybody important? Um, let's see. Harvey Keitel. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. I was just, that Jason Schwartzman, that's who I was just going to say. Uh, Leah Sado. Who is that? She is like that one French actress that's in like every French. Oh, yeah, right. Um, Tom Wilkinson. I think that's about Seriously, it. Seriously, I, I think that um, Wes Anderson had the idea for this movie and just like s- probably sent the script out in a group text to everybody he's ever met. <laughs> Like when he meets somebody, he shakes their hand. He's like, hey, I'm just going to add you to this group text. Don't worry about it. And then he just like sends this script out and everybody responded was like, yeah, I want in. <laughs> and at that point he just felt bad. Yeah. So he had to include everybody. I don't know. I can't imagine any other reason to include this uh, other than just because you can. Yeah. <laughs> like this makes Ocean's Eleven look like, I don't know, not an ensemble cast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not clever today, um, but I did quite enjoy it. I'm excited to hear what your guys' thoughts are, um, and so we're just going to jump right into it. This movie is within the uh, pre the past five-year uh, window, so we are going to give you the warning of full spoilers. Full spoilers. Full spoilers. And there are some things to be spoiled here. There are some deaths. There are some other things. So if you haven't seen it yet, 
Uh, go check it out, especially if you're a Wes Anderson fan. If you're if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you've seen this. Oh yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're gonna jump right into it. So we're gonna do some hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes. Hot cakes. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna do some hot takes, and then uh, we're gonna do some deep dive after that. Um, as always, Becca's gonna be starting us off with her hot take. All right. Well, I think that I'm a Wes Anderson fan. I didn't know that yet, but... <laughs> well, you had only seen one film, so... Exactly. I think I am. Um, I just really like the style of this movie. I think it's so fun to watch, and like the scenes were all very choppy and colorful, and I really liked it overall. Um, so my hot take would just be that the style is really cool and got me really interested and makes a, for a great story, so... Yes, All right. I liked it. Sid, what is your hot take? So my hot take is I kind of have mixed feelings about Wes Anderson. Um, the Apple gods are with us. <laughs> Sid has mixed feelings about Wes Anderson. And they don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs rose up from his grave to it's tell like you he was upset. Thunder crashing. <laughs> um, so... There are a few of his movies that I've watched that are just, I, you know, they were fine. I didn't love them. Um, I think one of the more controversial ones is Moonrise Kingdom. You didn't like that one? I thought it was okay. I mean, okay. I did see it a few years ago um, when I wasn't quite into movies then. So maybe it deserves a rewatch. Um, but like Royal Tenenbaums, I love that one. That one's so good. Well, Ben Stiller rules over ben stiller and gene hackman just rule yep. that movie that one's so great ben stiller with the curly hair and the oh it's great suits. okay um yeah but i actually really like this one i wasn't too sure how i was gonna feel about this one going into it but i really liked it along with what becca said the style of it is so good and just like one of my notes is uh let's see i can't get it uh costume holy hell <laughs> i was just like watching it and i was just like they they're so well made and they're unique and fun and i don't know some things that kind of bug me about his other movies are what worked so well in this one so that's fair um so as with becca i think I, I i've always wanted like for some reason wes anderson is one of those directors that i'm like i gotta go watch his movies but i just haven't um and oddly enough Criterion loves this dude. He's got like 15 movies on the Criterion collection, yeah. which that tells me enough that at least I'll go give them a watch. I might not love them, but they're worth a watch. Um, so yeah, Royal Tenenbaums I love, and I think that a lot of the same things that I love about Royal Tenenbaums I love about this movie. Yeah. Um, I agree with Becca. I think just stylistically, nobody is... Like nobody, nobody's films look like Wes Anderson's films. Um, from the very first shot, you see her, the girl walking up to the cemetery, and it's just this like static wide angle shot of this really blocky, kind of just like unrealistic wall, and you see her walking up to the doorway. Like, and there's so many cool framing tricks that he does in this. Um, I think when he walks up to the prison camp and he's like knocking on the big metal door, mm-hmm. and the camera like shifts over, and it's just like <laughs> a regular door. It, like he d- he he plays his own style for laughs in this one, and I don't know if that's something he does in other movies as much, but. Mm-hmm. It's something 
I didn't feel it as much in Royal Tenenbaums specifically. The only other one I've seen. Yeah. I don't know that he plays with the style as much. It's almost like he's getting meta. Like his own style is becoming a joke to him. Yeah. And I, I actually that's funny. wrote a note and we can get into that later. Yeah. So um, really cool framing things. I was a little worried because I was like, I was like, the movie's like barely like 95 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I always get wary of movies that are that short because I'm like, it's not a comedy. Like how do you fit a proper story into 90 minutes? But really, I think there's a two and a half hour movie here. They just kind of like filmed it. It was two and a half hours long. And Wes Anderson was like, just hit fast forward. We'll just play it at double speed. (laughs) Because I feel freaking out of breath after watching this movie. The dialogue is so breakneck. Everything happens so quickly. There's not even a second to think. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a pretty unique film. And I think it feels a little bit longer than an hour and a half. In a good way. It definitely does feel longer than it is. Yeah. They're able to fit a lot in. Um, and I think that that is impressive because there's, it's such a, it's such a huge cast. There's a lot of locations. There's a lot going on. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really well done. And I did, I did quite enjoy it. Um, so let's get into that. What, I guess, what were your guys' favorite things about the film? I think mine was definitely the cinematography and, and directing, but for you guys, what really stood out to you? Yeah, I have to say the cinematography as well. I just thought, yeah, the framing and the scenes were so cool and vibrant. And I feel like every scene, it would be like, just like almost like a picture, like a snapshot of what's going to happen. And then it would kind of like zoom in or go to the person. And and that was just like a really interesting way to watch a movie for me. And I just really enjoyed all of that, the colors and the yeah. way it was filmed. I think that, um, I guess just to speak to that, there's there's so many, like even having just watched it once, there's so many just really cool, memorable sequences and and uh, camera tricks. I think one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Gustav is interviewing Zero and they're just walking and people keep like bringing stuff up to Gustav and he's like approving or disapproving or saying whatever. And like you see the the hall, like the the entrance hall to the the hotel and it's not huge. But this this scene just makes it seem like they're just walking forever. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool trick that um I don't know, just it kind of, kind of increased the tension of that scene like between Zero and Gustav and like the oddness of the interview but also like how busy and involved and kind of manic Gustav was. I thought that scene specifically really uh, gave us a glimpse into both of their characters in an interesting way. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing that is in almost every Wes Anderson movie is just the symmetry. Just like every single shot is so symmetrical and it's just beautiful to look at. But I think it's also very useful and he's calling attention to what he wants you to look at. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting distracted by other things in the background. There's a subreddit out there for any of you Reddit users that's called Accidental Wes Anderson. And it's one of, the, if you're in on the joke, it's a really funny subreddit because it's just like <laughs> r- ridiculous, like clean line symmetry and stuff like that that people just like find in the real world. <laughs> um, I don't know. Another sequence that I thought w- probably my favorite sequence in the film was the prison break. That was mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. When when they actually do it, and they start out, and you they're they're lowering the light down, and it, the camera like follows it through the floor, and then they're going through all these crazy places, and 
like jumping over the guards' beds and all that crap. And then they open <laughs> then up the tiny tools. Yeah, they got the tiny tools <laughs> to like break the bars off and then they go and they open up the hole in the floor and the guards are playing cards and look up. <laughs> like just everything about that whole sequence was like I said, just really memorable, really yeah. unique, really creative. And I, I loved the way that it was done and how they um I don't know. Everything in this movie feeds into the idea that this is kind of a fantasy world. And I, that sequence more than may, uh, off the top of my head, more than any other really uh, played the, the idea that this is not the real world for laughs. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Also the use of, and I don't know if he does this in other films, but the use of frames within the frame it's so like there's a lot of square windows that'll show people looking out of windows, um, specifically when they go to meet uh, Serge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the train car pulls up and, and we are inside. The camera's inside of the train car and we see the doors open. So you see everything through this frame of the of the train of the of the the door to the train car. Um the confession scene like there's a lot of frames within the frame and i don't know if that's a wes anderson thing but i thought that was just that looked really cool yeah it's pretty common in his yeah all right well there you go um but i think that that's that's what really stood out to me is it it felt like a world that i could just kind of get lost in to the point that i was like three quarters of the way through and i was like wait am i supposed to be getting like some deep thing out of this because this is just wildly entertaining <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what I really loved about it. And that's what feels similar to me to the Royal Tenenbaums is that like it's just a story that you just kind of get wrapped up into and like in that style, like you just enjoy the story. It, you don't necessarily have to get anything out of it. You just yeah. enjoy. I thought that personally, I thought Royal Tenenbaums was a little bit less obtuse than this one as far as like extracting the themes, but just because family is a really like easy theme yeah <laughs> yeah no for sure i just mean like the style yeah for like, sure brings you in really quickly yeah i mean how does it how does the movie start i'm trying to remember um it's the girl going to the oh yeah we're like we're inception we're three levels deep yeah. at this point huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she goes to like the uh, memorial site and then they show the author reading and then he yells at some kid and this oh, is yeah. a, there's a lot of layers to this. Actually. So really top is. top layer is her visiting the author's grave, uh -huh. right? And then and then we go to when he's old and he's presenting on the book. Yeah, and then, and then we go to when he's young and he's talking to Gustav or no or to zero. zero, and then we go to, to when zero. Okay, geez, yeah, yeah we're, okay. we're four layers deep at this point, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting. I'm I don't have an answer for this. I'm curious. Why do you think it's presented that way? Like, they could have just told the story. Yep. But that's an interesting way to present it as, like, her reading the book. That This guy who became old and then, I don't know. I think, to me, it just shows that, like, it's a story that kind of lives on. It doesn't just end, start and end. It Yeah, because um, that's what the author says at the beginning. At the very end, he says, these stories will continue to seek you out over your lifetime. Which really stuck out to me. So I think it's it shows the impact of Zero's story and Gustav's story. And it's not just this one-time thing that people forget about. So it's basically a ghost story. Basically. <laughs> Wes Anderson style. Yeah. <laughs> Gustav and Zero continue on living as long as people remember them. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of forgot until the end mm-hmm. that we were so many layers deep. Yeah. You kind of just too. get wrapped up in it, like between the two main timelines. Yeah. And even like it's, it's, it feels like it's almost meant to disorient you because there's a lot of like three days earlier and one week later and one month earlier yeah. and that afternoon and like. Yeah, I kind of feel like you're not really supposed to know exactly what's going on. It's just kind of, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is what is happening, and you just go along with it. Tales all this time. Yeah. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. That was a Beauty and the Beast reference that I, I made. Wow. When, I, I got that. when I said Tales all this time, <laughs> that's what I was trying to do. Is I was referencing Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that was good. I would have understood it better if you'd sung it. Tale is all this time. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I don't remember really the next line. True as it can be. There we go. <laughs> uh, let us know if you want us to do um, a... If you want us to read the script for Beauty and the Beast and sing the songs on the podcast, we'll do it. <laughs> we will do it. We'll do it. You probably don't want to listen to it, but we will do it. But we want to do it, so we're going to do it. Somebody go start us a Patreon, and if we get the Patreon that somebody starts on our behalf up to $100 a month, then we will do Beauty and the Beast on the podcast. Yes. Instead of script to screen, it's script to podcast. There you go. Yes. We'll each have to play several roles. Okay. <laughs> Work on our voices. Oh, no. I'll have to play... Probably all of the male parts. Yeah. Yes. Who's going to play the French maid? I could play the French maid. Okay. How about Andrew? This is just a one day <laughs> show. It's all Andrew. <laughs> I don't think that would work. Probably not. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, that, so that brings us into, um, I guess my next question is, what do you guys think the movie is trying to say? Apart from just being a really entertaining movie, what do you, what, why, like, why did Wes Anderson make this? Do you guys think? Why did he? Why did he want to tell this story? That's a good question. Um, and Andrew and I have been talking about this a little bit lately. Just like when we watch movies, we ask the question, "Why was this made?" And then it helps us figure out why it was made. <laughs> well, it was it's it's a result of Becca's hate for Suspiria. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is we're we're talking about it afterwards and she's like, I just don't understand why that story even needed to be told. And I was like, I have never thought about movies that way. So why why do you guys think that this story needed to be told? Um, I don't know that I really have an answer because I was totally fine watching the movie just to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that it was told to enjoy. But I think it's important for, um, I guess, just like life. Like this was this this guy's, well, multiple people's different lives and their stories. And they impacted different people and they were told and shared. And so I think, I don't know, just to share our lives. Like I think each individual person wants to be remembered in some way in this yeah. No, and I think that, again, in the vein of a ghost story, like, just telling the story of somebody's life is worth telling. Yeah. Like, there's, nobody has lived a life that's not worth hearing about. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just happened to have a a pretty exciting one. I think that one of the things that stuck out to me, um, as far as themes go, and maybe what the movie was getting at, was the contrast between Gustav 
and I forget her name. Tilda Swinton's family. Tilda Swinton's family. Yeah, know. there you go. So like Adrian Brody and the three sisters. <laughs> I just remember the scene. <laughs> Willem Dafoe slayed this movie. Can we oh say my that? He's that eyeliner. Does Every, he have vampire teeth? I think he had no teeth. Seriously? I think his front teeth were knocked out. Let's see. Jeez. In any case, I, I when I say the the sisters, I just remembered the scene where they're talking and uh, Willem Dafoe throws Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> yeah. cat out the window, and he's like, "Did you just throw my cat out?" No, I don't think so. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it just like keeps it up. It doesn't stop there. He yeah. looks out the window, and, and there's the cat on the ground, and then the, the, the coat check. <laughs> cat deceased. <laughs> And then he just throws it in the trash can <laughs> at the museum. <laughs> that might also be one of my favorite sequences. That was, that was so great. Just, but when he looks at the, did he just throw my cat out the window? And all the sisters are like, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I was getting at. Oh, basically the, the difference between Gustav and her kids and like, I guess maybe looking at what, it, it's 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 a, it might be a stretch, but like I guess examining what love and family is, because if you look at the bond between Gustav and the old lady and the old lady and her kids, and then even take into account like Zero and Gustav, like how many of those people were related, but how many of those people were family? Mm-hmm. Because there's even that scene where they're talking and Zero looks at he talks he's talking to Gustav and he's like, "No, well we're brothers." Yeah, and Gustav is like, "Yeah, we are." Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting, like the way that. Um, like your family is your family. You don't get to choose that, but like, in a way, you do get to choose who your family is because it's who, I guess, is most important in your life. Mm-hmm. Is truly your family, and I got that out of it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, now that you say that, I think that's probably a strong theme. Mm-hmm. And even like Agatha, she gets brought into the family, mm-hmm. and yeah, I thought that was that was one of the themes I picked up on. Mm-hmm. Well, and even as far as, um, like, Ed Norton's character, when he sees Gustav and he's oh, like, yeah. oh, you did such a good deed to my family, and, like, returns that payback or whatever. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was interesting, and maybe this, maybe I'm, I'm projecting a little bit, because, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because I, I want to mention just a few words about it. But this last week, Becca and I watched a movie called Underground, which is, um, a, I guess, technically it's a Serbian film, but it's a film about Yugoslavia. And it's uh, basically the story of Yugoslavia from its inception to its dissolution. I mean, the country only lasted like 70 years. And basically that movie is about grappling with um, your national identity when the idea of country is so fluid. And so it's these people that basically um, remember when the country was created and then they're there for its disillusion as well. And it says something, the, the line at the end is something along the lines of like, with joy and sorrow and whatever, we will remember our country. And then I noticed at the end of this film as well, they mentioned that the country that the Grand Budapest has held in had, had been dissolved. And like the military has changed and like everything is changing. And it's just 
like, I guess the idea of grappling with such a rapidly changing world, which isn't something that we can really relate to as Americans, because regardless of everything else, like America is America. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought that was, I, I mean, an undertone at best, but I, I, like I said, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but. No, I think that's totally fair, especially because he kept the Grand Budapest Hotel and we can see it all. Not really run down, but there's just not as many people there anymore. And that's symbolic yeah. of his life and what it used to be. Well, and even looking at Zero, um, there's that whole scene where Gustav goes off on him and then he's like, you know, what possessed you to leave your country? And he's like, the war. He says, you know, my, my father was murdered and my family was taken off to a camp. So the war made me leave. And so that idea, again, going back to family and like the family, what it really means is stability. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Gustav was for Zero. Maybe that's why he was so devoted to him. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more in this movie than I originally realized. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I could be definitely projecting because I've had Underground on the brain for the entire week. But <laughs> <laughs> No, they make sense. I think those are valid things to get out of this movie. Yeah. And even how like Tilda Swinton at the beginning, like she didn't want to leave because she was convinced she wasn't going to see him again. And telling him how she loved him and all that kind of stuff. Like she didn't feel that with her own kids. She felt that with Gustav. Mm-hmm. So, But I mean, also Gustav was kind of a piece of crap. Oh yeah. 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 But slept with was, a lot of older women who were married. He was better. Pretty gross than the people in her life. So. That's true. In comparison. That's true. At least he's not a Nazi like in some other movies or an evil dark Lord. Yeah. So he's been worse. He has been Voldemort and the bad guy in Schindler's List. <laughs> I don't know his name. <laughs> it's not Hitler, just so you know. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Anything else there that you guys kind of picked up on that you want to talk about? No. I didn't really notice any themes other than that. I know you had a thing, Sid. What was it that we were talking about earlier that you said you wanted to come back to? Because um, you had a note for it. Yeah, so I actually just watched um, a YouTube video talking about movies that are so bad they're good. Um, Let me give them credit. They are Now You See It, and the video, A Study of So Bad It's Good Movies. That's actually a very good channel. I can also recommend it. Yeah, I liked it. Um, And so they were talking about, at first they started talking about uh, The Room, you know, that one with Tommy Wiseau and... Yeah, oh, yeah. here's the thing. That movie's just bad. It's not yeah. even, like, so bad that it's good. It's just bad. Yeah. But so he... Which makes it funny. I get... I, here's the thing. I get where the cult status comes from and uh-huh. all of that. Not to cut you off, which I'm, I am doing. Okay. Um, but uh, just a brief thought on The Room. It just really is very bad. And it just... It's not any worse or any bad good than any other bad movie out there. Yeah. Just... I don't know, luck of the draw, this one happened to get the cult status. So it's worth watching, but... Eh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really feel like I'd have a fun time watching that one. Yeah. When I think of, like, So Bad It's Good, I think of, like, Eight-Legged Freaks. Yeah. Okay. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> but continue. Um. But so, yeah, he started off talking about that, but then he uh, went on to say that there were some, like, Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning movies that can be considered so bad it's good and uh he talked about the campiness of this one with the colors and the framing and just the dialogue and everything about it is just so quirky and weird like you would never see this in another movie Mm -hmm. like even the 
the scene when they're in the car with uh, Bill Murray, and he says, your train leaves in four and a half minutes. No movie would ever say that. Like, it's just these weird specific things that make it so unique and or the, so great. when they go to the museum and it's like the museum closes in 15 yeah. minutes and the museum closes in 14 minutes. Yeah. Like the assumption being that somebody is there like flicking that every minute. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, I think it's one thing that really it works for a Wes Anderson movie. And I don't know. It just really pulls you in because you know that it's just preposterous, but you believe it and you're invested in it. Well, and that's the thing I think that lets it get away with it is it is, I mean, it's horribly campy and the dialogue is super rushed mm-hmm. and like all this kind of stuff. But it's 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 also it's almost like the entire movie is just winking at you the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, we know. We know. I don't know. Like it. it, it I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that it's just really well made, well acted, mm-hmm. well written. All of it. Like mm-hmm. it's very intentionally that way. Yeah. For me, it's just like storytelling at its best. Like storytelling doesn't have to, especially in a movie, it doesn't have to mimic real life. Mm -hmm. And this one totally doesn't. Like it doesn't feel realistic at all. But it's just like a story. And what stories do is they they like bring you in and they help you use your imagination and think about what this life was like. And and I think that's what this does. And it makes it exciting. It's like the Princess Bride on Adderall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one review that I found... Um, the guy's just talking about how this is like Wes Anderson's answer to his critics that like everyone, um, didn't like his style or like made fun of it. And he just like, just ramped it up to 10,000 with this one. Just oh, to, yeah. just to kind of shove it in their faces that it's crazy, but it's still good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a boring, melodramatic movie to be good. That it can be nuts. And it's like a nice change from other movies. Yeah. That yeah, we've been watching a lot of downer dramas lately. Yeah, we have been. It's a uh, beautiful boy. Yeah. That's about as much as we have to say <laughs> about that movie. <laughs> yeah, I honestly forgot that we went to see that. It took me a second to remember. Well, I can it. never forget Timothy Chalamet. So mm, that's it's very fair. forgettable. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that stylistically, it's. I like you said, like nobody, nobody has that touch like Wes Anderson. Mm-mm. He's just a weird dude. Oh yeah, he's very weird. I like it. Yeah, it's great. Now Becca's gonna make me go back and watch more Wes Anderson, which yeah, I'm down for. I would totally watch all of his movies. I'm down for it. All I right, would watch Fantastic Mr. Fox next. Yeah, that's okay. a great one. All right, that one's really I've heard really good things about it. Mm-hmm. The ones that I've heard the most about are Fantastic Mr. Fox and Life Aquatic. I hear Life Aquatic isn't his best. But it's still... I don't know. Those are just the ones that I hear the most about. Uh-huh. I hear Rushmore is supposed to be really good. Isn't that his first? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What else have we got? So another note that I had is... I mean, this movie feels very... Like we said, just like... I don't know. Like a magic dreamland. But it's also super dark at some points. Like a guy just throws a cat out a window. And it's just treated as a joke. And yeah, they don't explain those things at all. Yeah, which is, I think it's hilarious. And just like Jeff Goldblum loses his fingers and then dies. Local woman's head found in box. Yeah, and they <laughs> show it to you. Just Bring me the box. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's a good 
a mix and balance of tones where yeah. it's just like just just crazy fun and then it's also like really dark but because it's so fun throughout the whole you're not really disturbed by the more freaky parts well and maybe i don't know again maybe i'm reaching here but it's almost like it's a commentary on um gustav's attitude towards things because if you think about it like yeah, the dialogue is quirky and, and quick-witted and everything, but nobody is as quick as he is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. nobody is as optimistic as he is, and nobody is as, you know, front-facing as he is. He never looks back. He is only looking forward. And it's almost like we're seeing the world through his eyes. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I there's a couple scenes that I really like as far as, like, his, Gustav's character development or just, like, yeah, I guess learning about him. Um, one of them is like right towards the beginning when we meet Gustav and he's um, after he's already interviewed Zero and he, Zero's working and Zero is telling the story of like how they eat dinner and then he says like, and Gustav eats in his room by himself. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like one scene that's like a second long of him eating in his room. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, I don't know, I thought that he would be in, like, a nicer hotel room Mm -hmm. or just, like, living a nicer life. But his room is, like, the exact same room as Zero's. Like, it just is, like, very, very simple and just shows that, like, he lives this extravagant lifestyle but, like, didn't come from an extravagant lifestyle and, like, isn't actually a rich person Mm. at heart. Yes. And coming back to his character, I think another thing the movie is trying to get at is basically like if you're just kind to everyone, like life just kind of works out better for you. Yeah. Like everybody might not be kind back and you might get taken advantage of and you might get thrown in prison. But like if you are just kind to everyone that you can be, like things will work out for you. And two scenes that I think... um I guess highlight that the most are when they're doing the reading of the will and Adrian Brody rushes down and he, he calls him an effing faggot. <laughs> and he's like, now how is that supposed to make me yeah. feel? <laughs> 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 like that's what he says in that moment. Like, <laughs> and, and then, then he, like five seconds later, he's like, I thought you called me a faggot. Well, it, now you're bisexual. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, and then when he's going around serving the mush to the prisoners, yeah, he's like, how about you, sir? Would you like some mush? <laughs> Just needs a touch of salt. Yeah. <laughs> and like, But then like that guy comes around and saves them yeah. in the end. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, it's just, I, it's interesting. Like, he, he just is, he's just kind to everyone. Yeah. And that's cool. It is cool. Be nice, guys. Don't call people faggots. Yeah, that's a, hor- that's nice. a horrible word. It's a horrible word. If, if there's you, anything you can learn from this podcast today, don't, don't say slurs. Yeah, don't call people that. It's rude. And be kind because one day you might get a lot of money. And one day so you kind. might need to break out of prison. Yeah. You might just. So be kind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all for us, guys. See you later. <laughs> Signing up. Um... No, I thought that that was just another thing that was worth mentioning about the movie is he's just always nice to everybody and people have his back for it. Yeah. Maybe we can all do better at that. Well, and I love that they threw in the like 
cross key thing. Oh yeah, the like society of the cross keys. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's like such a bunch a of concierge that like. <laughs> It, totally it just shows them all calling that. each other. It's like they've got each other's back. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So funny. Pays to be connected. Guess so. What was your uh, favorite? Who was your? What was your favorite performance? Ooh. That's a tough one. I think either Rafe Fiennes or Jeff Goldblum. For me, it's absolutely Willem Dafoe. Yeah, that dude. Okay. That dude stole every scene he was in. I thought. I, There's so many people in this. I can't decide. I know. I really liked Jeff Goldblum, but I also really liked Ed Norton. Yeah. I just thought like uh, he just like talked in like a kind of high voice and was just like I don't know. It was really fun. So that's one thing that I loved about this movie is like they didn't bother with accents. Yeah. Like everybody just talked how they talk. It's uh, kind of like in Death of Stalin. Yeah, I just watched uh-huh. that yesterday. Yeah, that pointed out to me too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. It just shows that like they really just are trying to make a fun movie, and they just don't care about accuracy. Yeah. And just it makes it more fun. Yeah, well, and that was the same thing. That was the same vibe I got from Death of Stalin. Was like, this is just goofy, and like they're fine with it being goofy because yeah. like half the people are British, some are American. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Death of Stalin, by the way, one of the better films this year. It's a great one. It was good. Um. One of my notes just says. Jeff Goldblum in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. It's me every time I see him. He's just like, he he turns up when you don't expect it. He's just so cool. And handsome. You think he's handsome? Are you kidding me? Rewatch Jurassic Park, all right? Well, this wasn't Jurassic Park. He's like <laughs> he's 90 He's handsome in this. forever, okay? Check out his Instagram, all right? You'll change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go follow Jeff Goldblum on Instagram. Just out of principle. That's your choice. <laughs> it's a wrong choice. And you're missing out, but. <laughs> well, I guess I'm missing out then. I guess so. Um, I think that's the majority of things that I have to say about this movie. Yeah. My last note is just music. I just thought the, the music, music was, was fun. Was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. It just it added it. to that quirkiness. Yeah. Yeah. Every single thing aspect of it added was quirky yeah and that made it really fun yeah it's like it's not very often that we i guess get a lot out of a movie that we also get to call fun yeah yeah that's true i mean dancer in the dark isn't exactly fun no i'm still sad from that yeah right i think probably the last actual fun movie we watched was probably oh brother where art though Oh, yeah. We're some real depressed people. We got yeah. a ton out of Oh Brother Where Art Thou, though. That's what I'm saying is, I don't know. We don't watch a lot of fun movies, so it was nice to watch a fun one. It was nice to watch a fun you one. you have any fun movies? Yeah, we're, we are depressing people. We don't know fun movies. <laughs> if you, especially if, that, if the fun movie has something to say. We're into it. Yes. Well, fun is a subjective term. Oh, <laughs> Just saying. Gosh, you're awful. You're right. We do have fun watching depressing movies. Yeah, we have. It's true. Yeah, we. Uh, here's the thing. I I enjoy being depressed. It's fine. It's great. Been doing yeah. it for the past four years. <laughs> so far. <laughs> but this Sid, we've only gonna... been doing the podcast for six months. Oh. Um. <laughs> oops. Awkward. Please, please forget that. <laughs> All right. Uh. 
we are going to do um, final thoughts and scores out of 10. Um, but do we have any trivia? I have a few. Okay. Not very much. Uh, the keyboard's not working. So just imagine there is a song <laughs> announcing that we're getting into trivia. Um, so for the 45 seconds that Total Swinton was in this, she spent five hours in the makeup chair. Jeez. Um, is that more or less time than it took for Suspiria? I have no idea. She both she plays old people in both of them, so I'd assume it's roughly about the same. She's gonna look great as an old woman. I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> um, in an interview, Saoirse Ronan said that the hardest thing she ever had to do for a movie was to learn how to do the pastries in this. She actually learned how to do them. Apparently. Wow. I, give me a break, though. The hardest thing she's ever had to learn how to do in a movie. Was she in, like, a movie before well, this? She said, forget the action scenes in Hannah. These little pastries were the hardest thing I had to do in a movie. I forgot she was in Hannah. I think everybody yeah. forgot she was in Hannah. I think everyone forgot Hannah. Just yeah. in general. Um, unlike most movies, every newspaper article uh, has detailed and complete depiction of the events in the headline. <laughs> Movies don't do that, it so that's would. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, the part where Jeff Goldblum gets his fingers cut off is apparently a nod to the English patient where Willem Dafoe gets his thumb cut off. Spoilers. I didn't know that. So. Mm. I've never seen the English patient. Me either. I don't really want to. Just because of Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's in it? No. But have you seen that episode where Elaine is ranting about the English patient? No. She's just... Because it's... it's 18 hours long. We're watching Seinfeld right now. Well, you got to get there fast. We'll get there. Okay. And last one, the uh, the code that Zero gives Agatha is just detailed descriptions of how to get to the hiding place, but some of the words are flipped. So, not really much of a code anyway. Mm. Yeah, not too much trivia for that one. Well, there you go. Mm. All right. Becca? Your final thoughts and score out of 10 for Wes Anderson's Grand Budapest Hotel. All right. Well, I was very impressed with this movie. I liked it a lot and I really enjoyed the style. So I'm definitely going to be watching more Wes Anderson because he's great. Apparently didn't know that, but he is. Um, like I mentioned already, I love the colors and the cinematography and the story and just the way that this movie just let me enjoy myself. Um, so with all of that, I think I will give it an 8.5. Right on. Sid? Um, so I would say this one has turned me into a Wes Anderson believer. I am willing to give his other movies another shot. And I'm sure they're just as great. But this one, just the whole style of it and the production value, the costumes alone is just incredible. And it's definitely worthy of the awards that I got. I don't know. It's just so fun and quirky. And yeah, it was just a good time. And I would give this. Oh, and also I had Jeff Goldblum in it. So um, <laughs> I would give boost. it 8.8. Um, I also quite enjoyed this movie. I was expecting to, honestly. Um, I feel like it lived up to expectations. It was a lot of fun. The performances were great. It was well-written, well-directed, all of it. Um, I think we've already said what we're going to say. So I, I also, I, I actually 
um, independent of Becca thought of my score, but it is also an 8.5. Which leads us to, on the Weston scale, an 8.6. Did you do the math? Eh. Oh. You just have your phone up, so it looks like. Oh, I have math. the I have the Weston scale up, so Got I can it. go ahead and just add this to it. Okay. Falls kind of right in the middle, ish. Well, it's actually the yeah, it's pretty much right in the middle of the films that we have rated. So that concludes our discussion of Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest Hotel. That it we is enjoyed it. Beautiful. Um, there are a few movies that we've watched that I just want to quickly mention. Um, oh, and actually, oh, before you go. do that, um, I don't think we've done this yet. We've just talked about it, but I do have a revisionist. Revisionist corner. corner. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Except I forgot what it was. Is it Birdman? No, um, it's Hereditary. Oh, <laughs> what it's gonna, it. What's going to happen? No. Well, <gasps> I just, we were looking back at the scores that. Yeah, and you gave it a 6.5, which is pure garbage. Yeah, I realized (laughs) that I gave it a 6.5, and I was shocked that I gave it a 6.5 because that's the worst score I've given any movie. Absolutely, it is. It's the lowest score that's been given to a movie. Yeah, and that's crazy. And after watching Suspiria, I realized that Hereditary is a lot better than a 6.5. What's Suspiria? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> um, so Suspiria is like a 9.5. Easy. 9.3. Mm, 9.3. No. It's Maybe still too long. You. I give an upper 8. Well, you give you gave Hereditary a 9.4 or something. I did give it a 9.4. <laughs> and I gave it a 6.5. So anyway, um, I can't remember. We talked about this a while ago, and I can't remember what I decided to move it up to. I don't know. So... I think that I will be willing to give Hereditary like a 7.8. A 7.8. <laughs> maybe we'll take it. Maybe it'll go up again another day. But Let me crunch some numbers real quick here, 7. folks. 7.8. Because we now have a 7.8, an 8.8, and a 9.4. I think that falls... Probably right about like 8.5. No, you're crazy. <laughs> 8.7? 8.7. <laughs> Eight I, that's okay seven. i feel like that's a good that point. moves it so far up the list yeah, from where yeah, it was yeah. well i felt bad that i was bringing your scores down so much because hereditary is a good movie it falls just above grand budapest hotel and just below birdman hmm. for our okay. cumulative all right okay i'm okay with that Thank you for your revisionist corner. You are welcome. We appreciate your service and your honesty. You're welcome. It's always refreshing when you admit that you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying hereditary is a 9.4. I'm saying 6.5 is too low. It's probably a (laughs) 9.4. Anyway, that's that's what I have for you. Suspiria might also be a 9.4. I don't know. That's a real tough decision I got to make. I think for right now, for my movie of the year, I think it's between those two. Wow. Yeah. All right. Here's the thing. There's a lot that we haven't seen, though. Um, still haven't seen Roma. <laughs> Freaking. Which I want to see it so I'm bad. I'm thrilled for. Um, haven't seen Vice, which I am thrilled for. Uh, I haven't seen Wildlife. Oh, Wildlife. Which I'm 
want to see so bad. Is that even coming near and us anywhere? It was at the Jordan Commons when we went to go see Beautiful Boy, and I'm really mad that we didn't see that instead. Yeah, we probably should have seen Wildlife and instead. And also, I really want to see The Favorite. Yes, I'm... Dude, yes, I'm so stoked for The Favorite. I'm so excited for that. Seriously, so thing, movies that... The, those are the ones that I think might have a chance to push their way up. Mm-hmm. The favorite, I think, looks amazing. Yeah. I really want to see Wildlife. I'm not... Uh, here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be my movie of the year, though. Probably not, but it's still... The favorite looks fantastic, though. Yeah. Um, And Vice, I'm stoked for. Adam McKay, back at it with another uh, historical drama. I'm I'm ready for it. I hate, <laughs> I hate Dick Cheney more than almost any person on this planet, so I'm ready to hate him more after that <laughs> film. Um. Yeah, and then Roma has been just like sweeping awards yeah. up. So we'll see. Alfonso Cuarón is a beast. Oh yeah, Becca, you're gonna love Roma. All right, if it Guy- ever comes and plays in Utah. Well, it's not opening till like Christmas Day, isn't it? Or no, no Vice Vice opens on Christmas Day. Yeah, so the favorite and Roma got limited release, and then I think they're going wide Christmas. Okay. So they better be. We might. Here's the thing. We have our. We have our. Our Oscars scheduled for the first week of next year. We might have to bump it a week. I'm fine with that. Just because a lot of these movies get released like Christmas Day or New Year's Eve. Do we know? Yeah. What is the cutoff for Oscars? They have to have they have to have released in a certain number of screens before the 31st, which is why you'll get like LA and New York limited releases because technically that qualifies them. Okay. But then they're playing in wide release all of January, which gets people to go see them when the nominations come out. Okay. So we may not be able to catch all of them. Yeah. And that's fine. We'll just have to pick a date and cut it off and call it good. Okay. Same thing a few years ago for you music fans, uh, run the jewels released their album on Christmas day. And everybody had already done all of their lists, so it kind of got forgotten both years. So shame on you, Run the Jewels, for releasing an awesome album on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, like I said, a couple movies that we have watched uh, that I just want to quickly mention. Uh, we did watch Underground. Um, I don't know how hard it is to find. I just found it on Amazon, but I think it was kind of expensive. It's like a we. It's like a, a remaster that we found. Underground is di- directed by something or other Kusturica. I forget his first name. He's a guy from, I think he's Bosnian. Um, and like I said, that movie is just kind of about the rise and fall of Yugoslavia. Um, but it's told in a completely ridiculous way. I won't I won't ruin the twist for you because about halfway through, the movie really goes off the rails and it just gets goofy. Um, it's long. It's not super slow, but it's dense. Very, very Eastern European, but an incredibly interesting film. Um, and obviously not in English. Yeah, it's in. Yeah, I think it's in Serbian. I don't know. I don't but actually, really good. Like coming from someone who isn't into Eastern European films, it's good. And like I we said, it. if you ask the question, why did this story need to be told? It's it's a whole country that just like came into existence post World War One, and then in the nineties split up. Like seventy years of of existence, and that was the whole country. It's a good story to be told. And basically, just surrounded by war. So between, you know, World War One, World War Two, Cold War, and then their civil war in the nineties, like, is it, it it really is an incredible film. Um, if you are at all into uh, Eastern European cinema, um, it's kind of a hallmark of of Eastern European cinema. So very highly recommended, especially if you're interested in 
uh, I guess, kind of wrapping your head a little bit around these cultures that you're likely not very familiar with. Very highly recommended. Yes. Um, what else have we watched, Rebecca? I feel like there was more that I wanted to... I don't think we have. We, w- we all went and saw Beautiful Boy. Oh, yeah. Which... It was okay. Was it? Yeah. yeah. I would say if it didn't have as good as Timothy Chalamet's performance, it wouldn't be very good. Here's the thing. Timothy Chalamet slayed it. Mm-hmm. Did such a good job. Are we surprised? No, we're no. not. But the movie's poorly written, poorly directed. Yeah. Steve Carell, not his best performance. I enjoyed watching it and then totally forgot everything yeah. about it. So yeah. Poorly paced. Just, I guess, structurally very bad jumped around a lot yeah didn't yeah. like it structurally yeah um well i saw widows how was that it was really good i really really liked it it was like a, a good oceans eight which was nice all right it's a bit slower than you would think but it's still really good um and then i saw can you ever forgive me yesterday dude i want to see that it was actually pretty good i didn't it wasn't as good as i thought it was gonna be i'm ready for here's the thing i'm i'm a big fan of comedians doing dramatic she's roles. great so i wouldn't be surprised if her and i don't remember the guy's name my issue is this is i hate melissa mccarthy <laughs> yeah she but she's really good in this okay and then the supporting actor guy is really good too all right but the story is pretty good overall it's not great but it's okay all right Right. I'd recommend it. And then I saw uh, Taxi Driver. And that was good. Oh, like Scorsese? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. First time I ever saw it. So I haven't seen it. It's really good. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, I think that's... And I rewatched oh. Mad Max. Mm. I love that movie with my entire heart and soul. Becca, I forget. Did you like Mad Max? Uh, Yeah, I did. I didn't love it the way that you did. You I think shut your mouth. It's so good. What? It's amazing. It's so I, good. I liked it. I'm telling you that I liked we it. We watched it on our new 4K TV and just the whole time. That's just, one that I wouldn't mind picking up the 4K Blu-ray for. I was just in awe. It's gorgeous. Oh my gosh. And it's all practical effects. That's why it looks so good. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch it. Plus you just get to look at Tom Hardy. Don't we all want that? Yeah. I think that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't have anything else. Guys, we're going to get out of here in under an hour. Wow. Crazy. Well, to those of you who have listened, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, if you want to contact us, you can find us at facebook.com slash we watch movies and then talk about them or on Instagram <clears throat> at movies we watch. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, doing it hard. We're watching 2001 A Space Odyssey. Which will be the first time that I am watching it outside of a theater. Me too. But we're going to do it right. We're going to do it the intermission. We're going to do it all. So. It's going to be a long one. You need the intermission. Trust me. You haven't seen it. Have you said? No. Yeah. You need the intermission. Okay. It's a great film, but without the intermission, it's crippling. Like. (laughs) Okay. Um, And yeah, I think that's it. Anything else, guys? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, my name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we love you. We love you. Goodbye. See ya.